Welcome to IGTV's Trade Ideas with Angeline Ong. And today our special guest is Assistant Portfolio Manager Aaron Bright. And he joins me to talk about two key topics, AI and of course China making lots of headlines this week. Let's start off with China first, Aaron. Um, a lot of uh, consumers, clients that we've been speaking to have been waiting on this reopening, which has happened, but has been quite slow. Um, everyone thought that this reopening was going to be a catalyst uh, for growth, but this tune has soured somewhat. So what are your views on China now? Yeah, thank you for having me, Angeline. Um, yeah, it, was, uh, it certainly hasn't been this catalyst for growth that, that we all expected. I mean, managing the portfolios, we, we, we sort of discussed extensively um, towards the end of last year about this reopening and how it would, uh, you know, sort of play out in the, in the world. And uh, we sort of, sort of um, approached it with cautious optimism. We allocated a bit more to China in our portfolios, but we knew that it wasn't going to be this silver bullet to cure all of this macro noise going on elsewhere, inflation going on globally and, and potential re recession fears elsewhere. But we did feel that there, there could be some benefit of adding to Chinese equities. We did it through an emerging market ETF because we didn't want any specific idiosyncratic Chinese risk if the, if, if, if the recovery didn't pan out, um, essentially like it has done now. Um, but yeah, the, the, the data has been quite insipid, sort of un, un, very uncharacteristic from China. Exports down 7.5% year on year in May, um, which is obviously a huge catalyst for, for Chinese, um, Chinese economic growth over the years. Um, so the, the data has just been very, very poor. Um, over the longer term, though, we do have a very optimistic outlook of China. The uh, Chinese equity market typically trades at a 30% discount to, to its global peers. It's what it does at the moment. So for a sort of strategic allocation, we think it's, it's definitely got a, a role to play in portfolios. Now, we've got a huge amount of data out of China this week as well, including retail sales. Um, what happens if those uh, recession fears become realized elsewhere, say the US, Europe? What then happens with your allocation to China? Well, I think we'll have to take it on a case-by-case -case basis, like, like we do with, with sort of all of our portfolio management and all of our allocations. Um, you know, if, if valuations are attractive and, and we feel that there is a, a nice reason to buy into it, we will. But if, if we feel that the Chinese economy is going to potentially cough and stumble and, and not, you know, have this huge catalyst for growth, as, as, as we mentioned earlier, then we may, you know, we, we don't have a huge position in EM. We've got a, you know, we, we increased it marginally at the start of the year, but we, we may look to potentially reduce it or, or keep it as it is. But as, as I mentioned, we're very, con you know, concerned about that long-term growth trajectory um, for, for, for all of our assets in our portfolio. We take a very, very long-term view. So as long as the long-term fundamentals look good, we can get in at a good valuation and we think there's good potential growth for, for, for Chinese equities and we'll continue to have an allocation there. And when you're making your investment decisions, how much uh, do you um, uh, keep quite high in your mind really that Chinese shares are relatively cheap in terms of valuation compared to their global peers? Yeah, we certainly do. But we, we also have to be cognizant that we're compared to a benchmark. So our performance is, is measured against the asset risk consultants benchmark. So if we are too out of kilter with that benchmark and you know, our tracking error is too high because of, uh, we've taken a very you know, interesting view on a certain area, such as going incredibly overweight China and, and say that Chinese shares had a little bit of a wobble, we'd underperform our benchmark. So our priority is to sort of look after our clients, ensure that as much as we want to make the money, we're preserving their capital as well. So we're, we're very cognizant of protecting their capital and, and ensuring that we don't make any sort of unnecessary risks. Speaking of unnecessary risk, there's been such a frenzy around AI, hasn't there? Uh, almost uh, 
almost with fundamentals all set aside and uh, not, not as much uh, uh, analysis as uh, I would like to see, to be honest. What do you make of this? Do you think that it's bubble and actually all that uplift that we've seen from that AI chatter will eventually just dissipate? Well, I think you said the key word there, bubble, is, is definitely how uh, I think we can describe it. Um, look, AI has definitely got tremendous potential in terms of what it can achieve for productivity, increasing margins and, and, and you know, bringing down um, costs for businesses. Um, it's estimated that chat GPT and, and related services over the next decade can increase um, global GDP by 7%. So that's you know, not an not insignificant figure. So there, there is huge potential for chat, uh, for AI in, in general to sort of help with uh, you know global growth, productivity, and, and uh, you know anything related to that. Obviously, the uh, the valuations are are a bit stretched, and um, you know if I take Nvidia as an example, it's trading at 200 times um, earnings, and for it to get to the same P as Apple, it needs to increase its um, its earnings by six times. And Nvidia is no small garage company; it's a huge American business, one of the biggest companies in America. So it's exceptionally unlikely that it's going to increase its earnings six times. So it gives you a sort of taste of just how, how far valuations are stretched with this, uh, with this AI frenzy. Also, AI is not going to replace you know, um, you know, very important aspects. I saw an, actually an advert coming out of America with a building site, and uh, on, the, on the banner on the outside it said, uh, chat GPT, build this. So it's not going to take over you know, vital building uh, resources or th those sort of areas of the economy which are quite labour-intensive. So it, we think that there is a huge tailwind over the longer term, but it's not going to replace everything. And, you know, valuations are always incredibly important um, to how we invest it. One of the things that we've talked about in the past, uh, Aaron, is also uh, one of the strange forecasts that we've seen saying that ChatGPT and similar devices and services could spearhead a 7% rise in global annual GDP over the next 10 years. Is this realistic, this forecast, do you think? I think it, we'll just have to see how it pans out. Um, it, it's just, you know, it, it depends on really how well uh, AI is integrated within companies. Um, you know, one thing which I have seen when looking at various earnings calls is that companies, even which aren't tech-related, are sort of making references to AI in their earnings calls. I mean, Kraft Heinz have spoke about using AI to improve its uh, supply chains. Duolingo, language companies, using AI to increase um, sort of how accurate the testing is and how you can match with a, a, a sort of a language teacher through their their um, services. So there is potential there, but I think we just need to give it time to see how well um, AI and ChatGPT-related services uh, are sort of you know, used in the economy and how well they're sort of used by businesses throughout, throughout the, the world, really. Let's broaden this out now to the wider market. Um, one of the things that made me chuckle this week when I, was when I saw uh, Berenberg's take on uh, indicators and the current market. Uh, they described it as reflecting everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, uh, so many headwinds, so many things happening all at the same time, including AI, including China, uh, including uh, the bank ructions that we saw earlier this year. Um, what are you expecting uh, in terms of uh, performance in 2023, given the tricky macro scenarios, given everything that we've just talked about? Yeah, it's uh, very, very tricky this year. I think the rally in equities caught everyone by surprise. I mean, coming into the year, um, S&P 500 had a 19 times um, forward earnings. And we felt it was a bit expensive then, which is why we remained a little bit underweight equities. It's now trading at around 22, 23 times forward earnings, so it's even more expensive. We remain relatively risk-off for the time being. Um, we've 
reduced duration in the portfolios because we're not necessarily, I mean, to be honest, we were never convinced that rates were going to come down this year. We felt inflation was far too entrenched, far too high at the beginning of the year. So we've remained short duration and we've actually trimmed it a little bit further, trimming some of our investment grade credit, deploying that into some short dated US treasuries to be more defensive given this sort of rally in, in, um, in markets. We're, we're, we're just concerned about, you know, potential earnings, um, corporate earnings, not, not, not sort of beginning to, to roll over. I mean, we haven't had a sort of a disastrous corporate earnings season yet, but with the, the magnitude of rate hikes we've had throughout Europe and throughout the United States, throughout the UK, we are a bit concerned that corporate earnings, equity valuations could take a little bit of a tumble potentially. Um, so we're remaining cautious for the time being. We do have plenty of dry powder to add to equities if, if we see opportunities arise, but we're remaining cautious. We're very happy with our performance so far this year. We are above our benchmark, but we don't want to make any, any silly errors by uh, buying something overvalued or, or making any, doing anything foolish, to be honest. And finally, uh, geopolitics, uh, any big concerns there? Yeah, we do have a few concerns. I mean, the obvious one is, is um, the Ukraine situation. Both countries are, are likely to make offensives, which could you know, have huge ramifications for, for global, supply chi- global supply chains throughout the, uh, throughout the year. Commodity uh, supplies could be, continue to be stretched throughout the year and, and going forward. And that could you know, lead to, to higher prices and potentially further entrenched inflation. Um, another area which really hasn't been spoken about that much is um, sort of the situation around the Middle East and particularly the Gulf region. Iran is allegedly very close to sort of com- uh, constructing nuclear weapons, which could have very severe ramifications on, on the globe, on global economy, social consequences, and BlackRock actually estimate that the chance of a conflict occurring in the Middle East is at, is at its highest in, in 10 years, probably since the 2014 Israel-Gaza conflict. So there is quite a significant chance, you know, over the last, uh, since the last decade of, of conflict occurring, which could have huge ramifications socially and, and economically. So it's one which isn't so much in the headlines, but we're, we're keeping an eye on. Right, interesting stuff. We'll uh, make sure we uh, check back in with you on that. My thanks to Aaron Bright, uh, IG's Assistant Portfolio Manager, uh, here with his trade ideas and his thoughts on China, geopolitics and AI. Thank you.